All right, so uh, we're going to do a three-week sermon series, and, uh, but Leslie and I are going to be gone in, in two weeks. So the third sermon, who knows who's going to do it? If anybody feels really compelled or convicted or excited about doing the third sermon in my outline, let us know. You'll be up here, okay? Even if you want to tag team it, I'm totally cool with that. So the sermon series is called Using the Scripture in Daily Life, all right? This is a follow-on to our semester-long series on building belief and the right reading of Scripture. And uh, I'm going to kind of do three things, okay? And, and you don't have to necessarily write these down, but each week we're going to build on uh, what we talked about the week before. So uh, week one, we're going to talk about God's plan and how do I communicate God's plan through stories, themes, and quotes, okay? That's number one. That'll be today, this morning. Number two, how do I communicate God's character through the ethics of Scripture, the one another passages, and then just the behavioral commands, all right? And again, the focus is on daily use of Scripture, being able to actually use Scripture primarily with a target audience of people who don't hear a lot of Scripture. So this isn't just about talking to my friends about Scriptures that they've heard, but rather actually communicating Scriptural ideas and stories uh, with people who really don't, aren't exposed much to the scripture, all right? And then the third week, which is actually the hardest one, but also the one that I'm going to just sort of give up to someone who wants to preach it, Melissa, um, is advice, wisdom, and, and the realities of truth and belief, you know, communicating God's work in the world, okay? So those are the three things we're going to talk about, and uh, I really am going to try to make these super practical and uh, basic and just give you the uh, burden of actually implementing them in your own life and doing the homework, Okay? Now, one of the things uh, that I'll just start off at the beginning here is words are important. One of the reasons I didn't say use the Bible in daily life is because the Bible just has connotations to it today, Um, particularly the connotation of being authoritative and uh, not approachable. It's one of the reasons we talked about the Bible this last semester as building belief, not just reading scriptures and expecting that those are just you know, gospel truth, but what questioning whether or not you believe those things. And I have found that in, in discussing things of the scripture, it's helpful sometimes to use the, use the word that has a whole lot less baggage on it, and that is the scripture itself. In fact, the uh, biblical authors use the term scripture and never use the word Bible, so I'm pretty sure we're okay doing that, uh, and it's not sacrilegious. That may seem semantic to you, and maybe it is, but at least with my audience, I feel that whenever I mention the Bible says this, or, you know, they're like taken back to the Sunday school age where, uh, you know, they were told certain things and not necessarily encouraged to, to consider whether they believe them or not. So I use words like scripture or the author of this book uh, and, and using specific names versus the Bible says, yeah, which is one of those things I think a lot of Christians use to uh, condemn or judge each other, which is not necessarily a bad thing, Okay. I got that a lot growing up, right, Mom? You know, the Bible says don't complain and argue because you're going to shine like a star later on or something. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I I don't know why I had to hear that because I was always a really good kid, never complained or grumbled. So, but I do remember those scriptures going a little bit long, right? I never quite connected grumbling and arguing to shining like a star, uh, nor does shining like a star necessarily really mean much to me since I was an incredibly athletic or something like that. Anyway, uh, when we use the Bible says, sometimes people just automatically shut off their brains. And being able to say, well, there's some verses in scripture, and even the word verse sounds kind of weird, right? Because, I mean, if you say verse, someone's thinking, oh, he's about to sing a song to me. And it's like, well, 
the verse, you know, God uses his enemies as a footstool. You're like, well, verse of what song is that? Is that like a Pantera song? Are we, what, ACDC? What's, verse is also kind of a strange word if you're not really a Christian. And so I think there's uh, some of this that's not sort of like uh, salesman tactics, but it's, it's using a vernacular that connects up with the society so that they're not automatically hitting up against obstacles. And we have in Jesus a very, very good example of this. In fact, what's really unfortunate about our reading of Scripture is that we don't know Greek and Hebrew, and I don't either, so I'm certainly not accusing you of doing anything that you ought to be doing. Uh, but is that so much of the Scripture, particularly in Jesus' teachings, we're taking common everyday words and imbuing them, giving them incredible meaning and significance, but, a, but everybody started on a plain understanding of what that word meant. Um, the other day, I was at O'Reilly's uh, on Eagle Street, which is the best auto shop in Denton. Don't tell AutoZone I said that, because uh, I do have a commercial account with them, and they, I'm sure, pretty sure they pay me partly to tell you that they're good, too. They're the second best, okay? Don't ever go to O'Reilly's or AutoZone on University. Bad idea. Nobody knows what they're doing there. But Eagle and Fort Worth? Okay, sorry. Uh, and there are two, uh, well, they're, they're, most of the staff there at O'Reilly's that works night, uh, they are a group of Latino people. They're younger. And I always love making fun of them. It's just really fun to do. And so it was Cinco de Mayo, and I was like, this is too easy. I have to. And uh, so I was like, man, I got to get out of here. I got to go celebrate Mexican Independence Day. Uh, and one of the guys goes, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. And I'm like, I know, man, but I got you. I got you on that. <laughs> and the girl, Kat, who was working right next to him, and this is the best part of the story, is you didn't even know that yourself. I just told you that one hour ago. <laughs> so not only did I set him up from my perspective, but he also got set up by the gal who he didn't even know that it was. And so, you know, of course, me and the gal, we talked about Puebla and you know, all the you know, war with France and all that other stuff that some of you who don't know what Cinco de Mayo is probably are already like, well, I didn't know. Mexican Independence Day, oops. Um, so... Uh, the point that I want to make there is that that's kind of trivial knowledge, right? I mean, it's trivial knowledge, but we love, particularly millennials, just trivial knowledge. We love the kind of just new insight it gives us when we've been celebrating Cinco de Mayo all these years thinking it was Mexican Independence Day and not really realizing that most Mexicans don't even celebrate Cinco de Mayo unless maybe they're here and then you know, celebrate American version of it, which is totally American, right? Well, I think, and bear with me here because I'm going to try to explain it, we need to trivialize the Bible or the Scripture every day. And what that means is putting the scripture in common language. Because so much of the power of Jesus's words, and trivial, by the way, I know has come to mean unimportant, but actually it's sort of better word, and maybe the, the original meaning without a connotation was just common. Everybody kind of connected up with it. It made sense to people. It was a common sort of mundane uh, use of speech. Jesus was really, really good with this. And unfortunately, the Bible, particularly in our culture, has become anything but that. So many of the words that we call Christianese are words that most people simply don't understand or think they understand, and the meaning isn't shared at all. So you use a word, but you couldn't ever really explain it, and so spiritual conversation is just like one, two people talking about words that if you analyze, neither one really understand what they mean. Well, that's not common language. And so a big part of using the scripture in daily life is learning how to trivialize, to make the scripture common in speech. That when people hear it, they immediately connect with it, whether or not they understand the significance or meaning of it. 
okay? And so when people heard sin, for instance, in the New Testament and were Gentiles, they knew that that meant, hey, I'm an archer missing the mark. I'm just living lower. Well, I'm not living lower. I'm, I'm messed up in some way. And then being able to imbue that word with this sort of bigger idea of sin was the process Jesus used, not the other way around. And this will become increasingly important as we talk about uh, using the scripture in daily life. You, you tracking with me so far? Cool? Yeah? Maybe? All right. Great. Good. Um, so the question today is how do I communicate God's plan as good news? Okay? Uh, how do I communicate God's plan uh, as good news? Well, first of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about quotes. Quotes can be very helpful um, because they can be memorized. And quotes, can we can put them places, and we can use them in our memory for things. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we like to do on social media probably is post quotes that make us look really intelligent. Uh, quotes that we may or may not understand, and that when people read, they think, wow, that guy understands some deep ideas. I'm not talking about quoting Romans here, all right? probably not the best thing to do as you're talking with someone who doesn't really uh, know uh, the scripture very well. But, but I want to give you a couple examples, and, and some of these are in jest, and some of them are more serious. The first one is one of the ones I love is wisdom is proved right by her children. Something that Jesus says, and then James mentions again, and I really love this, and I think it connects really well with the millennial mindset of practicality, which Jesus is just saying wisdom will really show itself in the product of what happens in someone's life. Uh, another version uh, uh, quotes it as, wisdom is proved right by her actions. I love that. I use that a lot in common speech and sermons because I think it's so important for us to know that any wisdom is true wisdom is going to have some byproduct that we can see that goes back to proving that it was good wisdom in the first place. I love that one. I, I, that's just one in my mind. And the goal here, guys, is to, as we read scripture, have quotable quotes in our mind that really connect with our experience, and have made a huge impact on us. Some of us, unfortunately, if we were to be asked our top 10 quotes in Scripture, we're probably going to probably, what, what? We're going to probably recite some of the ones that almost everybody knows, regardless of whether or not they're Christian or not. And I'm not so sure using those quotable quotes in our conversation with people are going to come across as very genuine. Right? But we love them, and we love to put them on posters and signs, and I think we love the judgment ones, probably, maybe more than the good news ones, uh, but this is important. Uh, here's another sort of silly one, but have you ever heard of the one, come have breakfast? Yeah, right? That's a funny one. Lots of memes for the come have breakfast one. Uh, Jesus said that. He said, come have breakfast. <laughs> How many of you quoted that to someone recently? <laughs> it seems kind of like a silly one, right? But it actually is pretty cool, at least in expressing the idea of Jesus' humanity. The same thing that's uh, an important one and one of the shortest lines is Jesus wept. Uh, it communicates something really significant about Jesus' humanity, which a lot of us who think about Jesus as, as sort of completely ethereal in an idea but don't understand verses like we read in Hebrews where Jesus has suffered the th same things that we suffered and so can sympathize with us, which is, gosh, that's amazing thought if I could only believe it could sympathize with us. One of my favorites, too, that uh, really was one of the major verses that uh, I remember having to think about and consider when I became a Christian was Ecclesiastes 3.10, which someone uh, quoted, I don't know if it was, oh, it was in our apprentice class, never mind, sorry. And it just says, God, I've seen the burden, this is, uh, you know, uh, Solomon, I've seen the burden, 
that God has laid on man. He's made everything beautiful in its time, and yet he's set eternity in their hearts so they can't possibly fathom what he's done from beginning to end. It's a very mysterious quote, and it really is sort of like challenging to think through, but it's one of the quotes that I talk about a lot if I'm studying with someone or talking with someone who really is kind of spiritual but uh, doesn't know really anything about the Scripture because people who don't know the Scripture very well and don't really necessarily like the Christian ethos love Ecclesiastes because it's a really interesting book uh, and talks about some really mysterious ideas. So whatever that is for you, quotes from the Scripture, they, they get written on our hearts and on our minds as we study, whether that's a devotional in the morning, whether it's studying with other people, whether it's you know, basically connecting verses to different experiences or um, uh, benchmarks kind of in life, whatever it is, we've got to know and practice knowing some of those and again, the, guy, the idea isn't memorization to be impressive to people as much as it is an understanding of how to trivialize or make common scriptures to be able to talk with people in our daily life. Because guys, not only do we not do this with each other mostly, but we absolutely don't do this with people who uh, aren't Christians. And how are they ever supposed to get exposed to people who are presenting the good news about Christ, not just the judgmental news about God, if we're not communicating any of these biblical messages to them. There's a reason why folks like Scott Peck and C.S. Lewis, it's because they don't just write out commands and, you know, parrot scripture. They're doing a very good job of putting that within stories and quotes and making significant, uh, you know, life applications from the things that we're talking about. Does that make sense? I think it's really important. And maybe quotes isn't your deal. Maybe you're a storyteller. Uh, and that's the next one I want to move on to. But I do want you to do something this week as homework, okay? Here you go. So, whether it's a devotional you've done, I want you to find a quote, okay? Something from Scripture, and I want you to share it with someone who, who you don't know whether it's a Christian. They don't, you don't know whether, what their faith basis is, whatever that is. And you can simply start with one of the ones that's pretty easy that I use frequently. Do you agree or disagree with this? And I mean, it can't just come right out of the chute, right? I mean, you've got to have like a little bit of backup here. And, and, and let's be clear, because one of the things that, that I think a lot of Christians have difficulty with is what's called steering the conversation, right? You don't want to steer the conversation in a way that uh, you know, seems obvious or, or rude. But here's the problem with that. Everybody is always steering conversations. If you ever just sat and listened to anybody talk about anything, people are steering conversations, mostly based on the interest that they have. And what's really unfortunate is watching two people talk who literally don't even need the other person in the conversation. They can just sit there and talk. Now, on the surface, it seems like there's communication going on here. But in reality, remove one person and it still works just about the same. And that's a lot of conversation today, unfortunately. And so all of us steer conversations. The question is whether we steer those conversations on things that are really life-giving. And that does not always mean we're inserting a scripture or a quotation or a story or whatever. But it certainly can mean that we're doing that. And we have really, I think... Uh, lost the ability to do this very effectively unless we have someone who's sort of like upfront, committed to sitting down and studying through scripture and asking. We just don't do that in ways that are very effective in common conversation. Uh, and so, you know, anyway, uh, I think this is, uh, this is really important. So stories. Oh, so you got the homework right? So just something, a quote, a line, something. You could ask agree or disagree. This is something that's helped me through a rough time you could share. Uh, something that seems applicable to the situation you're in. There's a million ways you can present that and then be done with it 
without trying to get them to, you know, write an essay on how they were reacting to, you know, whatever you just mentioned to them, okay? Remember the Dixie cup of curiosity, gallon jug of, of uh, answers, you know? Some people have a Dixie cup of curiosity, fill the Dixie cup, maybe even half full, but don't pour a gallon jug on it. That won't be good, yeah? Some of you are like, if anyone even rem- remotely mentions spiritual things, it's like hour-long lecture. Uh, bad idea. All right. But the, uh, the other thing is missing the, uh, hearing those and missing an opportunity completely. That's, uh, in my mind, just as bad. Okay? So, uh, stories. Yes, stories are only useful if I think there's a cultural adaptation to today or an original explanation. And I doubt many people are all that interested in the original explanation if they're not Christian, and so cultural adaptation is even more important. Uh, so let me tell you a story about a um, hiring manager who needed to fill three spots, and on Monday decided that he would take the most, you know, most well-qualified of the people who had a, a degree. And so he chose the person with the degree, and he hired on to the company. And then Wednesday came, and he was like, you know, I could probably use another person. And then on Wednesday, he said, well, maybe not a degree person. I'll just go with someone who's got the a requisite experience. And so he hires the person with the requisite experience. And then Friday, Friday comes along, and you know what? The degree people, the experienced people aren't here. I'm just going to hire anybody and everybody uh, that I can. Find any one person who's qualified. I mean, who's not qualified is, doesn't matter. I'm going to hire them, and then I'm going to pay them all the exact same weekly wage. Good deal for you? How many of you are like, yeah, that's a fair system. I love it. Guy, I went to get a degree. I at least have experience. And then some bum got hired off the street and get paid the same as I do during the week. No one likes that story, right? Or you could do the same thing with the degree. Okay, there's an academic uh, bridge program at your school. You've been there since a freshman. You get your degree after four years. Someone else comes in with a lot of credits because, you know, uh, they they kind of took into account some really troubling things about their past. And so they, in your exact same time frame, got a a four-year degree in two years. And then, you know, there's a person who really, really had a tough time. And so, you know, six months, they got the full degree, and they graduated, and now they're graduating with you. You get the idea, right? Parable of the workers. We read the parable of the workers often and think that it has to do with people's eternal salvation. It had nothing to do with that to them originally. It had everything to do with the fact that the whole environment around them was completely changing and that these Roman landowners came in and were pretty much just pulling anyone and everyone and not trusting the farmers who had worked the land for a long time. And God is saying, why do you care if they're being generous with those who have experience and don't? What is it to you? You've committed to something and getting paid for it. You ought to deal with it. And that was the immediate thing to them. And that, that's biting, because I guarantee you, even though most of you probably don't think that story is that significant to you, if that was happening to you, how many posts on social media, how many conversations with other people about those things happening? None of us would be happy about it. And yet the whole story is about the generosity of God, not that God is going to accept certain people over and whether we're being fair or whatever else. We've got to use stories in a way that's culturally adapted, okay? And that becomes very, very difficult for us Because we are used to consuming stories and not creating them. And, you know, that's not the end of the world. There are plenty of stories that you can latch on to and pick up on and find adaptations to. I don't think that's a problem. That's actually one of the major assignments in the apprentice class that I'm doing right now uh, on Elmer Gantry. They have to come up with their own original piece of fiction uh, or they they can take something that's popular and kind of analyze it 
uh, from a gospel perspective. And we got to be careful with that because we have to recognize author's intent and we don't want to kind of sabotage things to mean something that they never meant to mean. But there's certainly ways that we can use that to launch into conversation. But a lot of us just don't think about stories in that way. We just don't. We just don't think about stories. And that requires a real creative approach to reading the scripture and being able to tell stories and think about those things in ways that uh, connect to our daily life and connect to other people. The last one is themes. And this one's much more difficult. So I think if you can start to practice the quotes and stories, and let me back up and say one more thing real quick, because I think there can be a tendency that's, uh, that we have to try to you know, make this very mechanistic. I'm going to come up with 10 gospel stories that I can at any time rattle off and impact anybody and everybody in my uh, wake. No, that's not the goal. The goal isn't to come up with some card that you've got that has all of the stories and quotes that are important. The point is that as you read scripture, you're finding these quotes and stories that really connect to your life experience or the life experience of people who you're around, and you translate that into a normal human conversation, not some weird freakish drop it in and just sort of let people deal with it as they will. That's what scripture reading is really about. It's about, at the end of the day, taking those things and faithfully applying them to your world. Otherwise, the Bible becomes this sort of thing that's not common at all. It's some ancient document that we kind of, you know, address or read every now and again at formal kind of uh, occasions, but don't really buy into or think about in ways that, uh, that are applicable or, or, uh, to us. So, I'm definitely not suggesting you go out this week and come up with your 10 best quotes or gospel stories. The goal is more to think through either stuff that already the Spirit has made manifest in your life or clear to you or things that really connect with you uh, and do a little bit more uh, work on that of thinking through it. So the last one, themes. Themes are hard, there's no doubt, because a theme is pretty, um, yeah, it's, it's amorphous. It's, 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 you can't put your hands around it. It's just kind of big and ambiguous and, and vague. And so I think the themes are probably more helpful as you go further in conversation with people and or uh, you're trying to outline major things to look for in Scripture, or if you've gotten into a quote or a story and you're looking for a theme that goes from one quote to the next to one story to the next. It connects a whole lot of things. But the two that I thought about, which are connected to the story I told you, is the first will be last and the last will be first. One of those things that people use all the time in jest, and that's fine, it's totally great, but probably the reason we're joking about it so much is because we absolutely don't believe that anymore, right? Right? Or at all, ever. I don't know when we ever believed it. And then, not only that, but what does that even really mean? Like, seriously, what does that mean? Uh, okay, servant of all, um, I guess. But that's a theme that needs a lot of unpacking and trying to kind of figure out what, uh, you know, you're supposed to do with that. The second one, which is pretty similar, is if you want to gain, you've got to give up. Both of which, I think, connect with uh, and counter popular worldviews uh, among us. But they need explanation, and, uh, and it's important to, uh, to do that. So that is all my sermon, and I'm pretty sure I just did that in like 15 minutes. Any questions about that? <laughs> That's great. I love it. That, I, it was supposed to be short, so I, I was successful. I'm really... Uh, no, no. I don't think you should be clapping that my sermon was short. So it's probably... <laughs> I, I, in reading the audience, I felt a lot of boredom. So, um, you know, that's totally fine. I don't take that to heart. <laughs> uh, but I would love for you to ask questions if you have some, because it, here's my concern. 
This is one of those things that I fully believe as a pastor and as someone who works at least half time in a very specific work industry and field around mechanics and welders and things like that, that is not only possible, but necessary if we're ever going to adhere to any of the commands that Jesus gives us to uh, reach the nations with the gospel. Because folks are going to be further leaving the church in droves. And for the church, uh, folks that do go to church, they're going to go into some kind of weird niche church uh, in the future in 10 or 20 years that who knows where they meet, okay? Or they're going to be going to mega churches, and neither one necessarily means that they're going to get a lot of Bible in those very specifically targeted environments. And so as we uh, grow up in our faith, we're going to have to learn how to really use the scripture in ways that are faithful to just human experience and faithful to the way Jesus did ministry one-on-one with people, sharing the gospel in their vernacular. Uh, and, uh, you know, so this is, and it's possible. This is not, hopefully some of the stress is taken off of you because I know that some of those, the ways that people use the scripture is just very unnatural. It's just unnatural. And no humans do that to other humans in our state. So, trying to fit into some of these really old-school methods of pressure, sales tactics type evangelism is not going to work. But neither is the reaction that most of us have gone to, which is just to say nothing ever, unless someone is, like, wearing a a shirt that says, kind of interested in becoming a Christian. Uh, And then we're, like, hesitant, all right? Uh, So, anyway, but, yeah, I think this is doable, and it's important if we, uh, you know, are faithful to it, then, right, it's how easy it is to grasp, quotes to me are easy to grasp, and themes are much more difficult, and they connect everywhere, so a quote could be, here's a quote in a specific instance or situation, and a theme is, it's pretty much everywhere, it kind of, the backbone of it, but honestly, there's probably a lot of gray area too, because you're right. I'm not going to pretend like those are completely separate ideas. Um, yeah. Any yeah, other questions or just general thoughts? I mean, you could just respond if you want to respond. Think about it and talk, uh, you know, about it this week if you have questions. And, uh, and the homework, remember, the homework uh, is to, I mean, really, honestly, if you wanted to, if you think maybe, hey, going out and talking to someone is a little bit too scary to me and I'm not going to really actually do it, then you could try to put a st- one of these stories that really makes a lot of sense to you and uh, in your own words, that would be great as an activity, or come up with a theme uh, from the scripture that you think would really be helpful to explain. I mean, any one of those would be excellent as homework, but I do think the point of all this is to be able to actually talk uh, to people in ways that are incredibly encouraging and life-giving and that do present good news, because so many of the people I've talked to, uh, they're just really, as you get to know them, totally okay with telling you some of just the junk and things that happen in their life. And it's great when you give them feedback that they already expected and believe, but at the end of the day, you've just given them a piece of, you know, cultural uh, salve on their wound, and you've really not done anything to, uh, uh, in my mind, present the gospel, which is the only thing that's ultimately going to heal. And not that those things are completely mutually exclusive, okay? I don't believe that, Uh, but I think a lot of times we're much more okay and comfortable with telling someone what they already expected to hear and just being super sweet to them, hoping that that's going to make a difference. But hopefully you're a Christian not because uh, you know, Jesus was super sweet to you because you found something very powerful in the message of the good news that he's presented into your life and that you've seen that. Uh, and that's very important for us as well. 
Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Yes. That, yeah, right. Specifically theme? Wow, you guys are like, like okay, what, you expect me to... Uh, yeah. I'm a preacher. I do theoretical stuff up here. I'm telling you guys what to do so I don't have to do it. I, that's how I feel like I'm doing it, by vicariously through you all. I don't... How have you not gotten this? And you know me all this, this long time. Uh... Yeah. Oh, no, I don't have any problem sharing. I was just messing around. But, yeah, I mean, if any of you uh, are, are kind of thinking uh, that you want to, yeah, I'm going to stall as long as I can so I can create a story that isn't true. <laughs> Fishing story, you know. No, I, uh, I, you know, some of this stuff's just private. You know, it's pretty private. And so it, it's hard to, yeah. Well, anyway, I was that day, uh, so I know I'm going to get in trouble because, you know, I apparently like to frequent bars. Uh, it's not really just straight bars, okay? They're restaurants. Tex Tapas, Abbey Inn. But I do frequent, and I usually sit at the bar because, honestly, the bartender is just right there with you, so you get to talk to him or her. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, plus I may, may or may not like a little bit of whiskey. Um, didn't say it. Someone else did. So, I was actually meeting with a friend who I paid for her to go to the airport, um, uh, she had some really crazy life stuff go on, and uh, we just kind of started talking about things, and then out of nowhere, and I was doing nothing to, to steer this conversation at all, I was just listening to her because she just had a lot of crazy stuff, plus I was trying to figure out whether she's lying to me or whether she really has a crazy life. And I've learned that in ministry over the years, you know, sometimes people just lie, they're just like good liars. So one of the ways that I figured out how to deal with that is see how they respond to, you're either a really good liar or you have some crazy stories about your life. And I just kind of see how they respond, you know? Uh, and uh, I've done that multiple times. That has nothing to do with this, right, you know? Um, but out of, out of the blue, I don't know, as we started talking, we probably met for about two hours, uh, she just mentioned, you know, well, I'm not a you know, hugely spiritual person. Now, the reason she did mention that is because she knows I'm a minister. She knows I preach. I was talking about uh, how important it was for me as a preacher to whenever I'm in front of an audience to be as honest and sincere as I possibly can be about myself and about who I am. Because, you know, Jesus was, was really clear about his intentions with people. He was direct. He wasn't passive-aggressive. In my apprentice class this year, I have a lot of passive-aggressive people. And we have these case scenarios. And we, I give them these case scenarios, and, uh, and they're supposed to deal with how would I take care of this on a ministry basis. And the, the passive-aggressive level was through the roof. I'm like, they're like asking questions that no human should ask another human. Like, do you really feel like you should be hanging out with freshman girls? Like, that's just say you shouldn't be hanging out with freshman girls. Like, there's no need to ask, because what if they just said yes? Like, how do you even deal with that? Like, don't be passive-aggressive. Be direct. Uh, and this was a graduate male student, so I mean, that, uh, not the one that was apprentice, but in the case scenario kind of thing. Um, so anyway, I was just talking to her about how important it was for me to be really direct and, uh, and to be honest with my own kind of struggles, because she was talking about her parents and uh, just how much uh, her parents growing up, you know, were, were just constantly pressuring her to fix her gayness, for lack of a better uh, term. And um, anyway, so, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was a conversation there. And I don't know, I mean, okay, so I wasn't thinking ahead of myself, let me use a quote. 
a story or a theme here um, to, to figure this out. But if I were going to go back and say, hey, there's a theme there, it's the idea, again, that, and we talked about this, just how direct Jesus was with both being okay with around people, but communicating to them what he really wanted for them, and then just, uh, uh, you know, not treating them any differently as a result, not waiting for them to be a certain kind of person before he would interact with them and be compassionate. Uh, and we, you know, we were just talking about her family and the struggle. She's going back and moved back in with them for all this time, and, you know, uh, anyway. So, yeah, that could fit. There was no real quote or story, but that was, to me, the theme of... Uh, and, and honestly, I'm not the most honest person. I'm pretty good at hiding things. Chelsea will tell you that. I'm a pretty good liar. And so uh, when I come up here, I'm re- I try really, really hard to make sure that the things that I'm saying are you know, completely honest and truthful, and I'm not making up certain stuff or whatever else just to sound better. So you guys take that like, uh, test that Paul, Paul put out this week on social media, like the five things that you're... Yeah? Oh, no. Just to say honesty was lower down on my list. <laughs> what? You got a problem with that, man? You got some kind of standard for pastors that don't know, Tyrus, huh? All right, any other questions? Or, uh, or yeah, I got Tabby and Chelsea saying, get off the stage, get off the stage. Well, that's only two. I need a third to, you know, make sure that's... Okay, yeah, let's get a lot more there. All right. All right, so we're going to take uh, communion uh, now, and, uh, you know, we celebrate communion pretty jovially, jovially, jovially. We're excited. We're energetic. Uh, we don't believe, Leslie said it perfectly last week, uh, that there's any way we could possibly be penitent. I'm using a lot of tough words right now. Uh, enough in like a 30-second period to consider all that is communion, and so we want to celebrate it as a community meal uh, where we are celebrating together Jesus saving us from very real things. And if you feel compelled or led by the Spirit to share something or to sit down and be quiet, that's great. But just know that our noise is, uh, is indicative of that this is a celebration time and that we celebrate all of the things that God has done in, uh, in our lives uh, through Jesus. And so hopefully that's not too off-putting to you. Uh, you're certainly welcome to share in that if, uh, if you're a believer. And, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll sing some songs and get you guys out of here Uh, so that you can uh, wait two or three, four hours in line for lunch. (laughs) Lord God, please teach us, teach our generation how to speak the gospel in common words. Help us to um, just gain a fresh and new appreciation of the message of life that you have spoken directly to us uh, through the apostles uh, and through the other writers of scripture. Help us take serious your statement that all other words will pass away, but that your words will go on forever, our eternal words that speak of the realities uh, that go beyond our understanding and our sight. Lord, as we take uh, this communion, we thank you so much for sympathizing with us and our every weakness, for choosing to come to this earth and to be among us and to suffer among us and to deal with things that not even any one of us could possibly uh, understand or accomplish uh, that you did that for us, God. That is amazing. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at dentonnorthchurch.com.